In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things I think we're up to as a, as a parish family in Eastertide is to, to live out the existential implications of hearing our name spoken on love's lips at the empty tomb uh, in each and every context and circumstance of our ordinary everyday lives. Eastertide is, is first a, a deep personal knowing in our own experience of death trampled down by death, of captivity being taken captive, of Christ breathing, aerating peace to dispel fear in whatever particular locked room we've happened to have talked ourselves into. But then it, it is the practice of, of taking this knowledge, and I mean knowledge in the Old Testament sense of intimate personal, experiential knowing rather than mere ideas between our ears. Taking this knowledge on the road into our daily lives. That's why, uh, much to Ron Kastner's chagrin, who doesn't like Acts very much, but that's why uh, our usual Old Testament readings for Easter Tide are replaced by the portions of the book of Acts by Luke. What does it look like, is the question. What does it look like for ordinary people like you and me, butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers who have come to share in Jesus' self-same intimacy with the Father and the Spirit? What does it look like for us to go about our lives as the very love we have received, pouring it out for others? You know, as a, as a priest... Uh, one of my great privileges is uh, visiting folks who are prevented from coming to church and uh, sharing communion with them. And this past Holy Week, I ventured into a rehab I'd actually never visited before, which is rare uh, since I've darkened the doors of most in this valley and a few beyond. Uh, there in bed, I encountered an old friend who you might say had let herself be built into a spiritual house. She let herself be built into a spiritual house. She had indeed tasted that the Lord is good and grown into her salvation. She'd integrated her heaven's ripping, well-pleased belovedness thoroughly. Outwardly, there was no real reason for joy or gratitude. There was significant pain, the noisy interruptions of nurses, doctors coming and going, the, the pokes, the prods, and of course the food. Uh, try finding a good cup of coffee in a medical facility in Mormon, Utah. Right? This is not the place uh, for that, for that. Yeah. And yet, and yet, there, amongst spread newspapers, rumpled sheets, a half-eaten cup of what the label unconvincingly proclaimed as chocolate pudding, there was presence, joy, and thanksgiving. 
the fruits undimmed by circumstance of a daily habit, a daily habit of coming home to love, of knowing the Lord as true refuge, as strong rock, as safe castle, as crag and stronghold. How could this be? How could this be? What strange things we have seen today, as it says in Luke. When Jesus tells us that in his Father's house there are many dwelling places, we, uh, by default it seems, mostly because we we hear this passage at funerals most often, we interpret this only as referring to where we go when we die, right? We mistakenly think that having a place prepared for us means uh, that we've got a reservation in, in heaven and miss the more transfiguring reality of what Jesus is pointing at. Just this right here, now. God's effervescent presence shining in and through the midst of it all. Joy, heartbreak, sickness, health, in good times and in bad, the great I am disclosed to Moses and with which Jesus' presence blazes forth cannot be dimmed or diminished by the chances and changes of this world. God with us to the end of the age, even when with Peter, we're dragged by a belt tied around our waist to a place we don't want to go. Even when, yes, like Stephen, we find ourselves at the hands of some whipped-up mob convinced that by the eradication, erasure, and silencing of this scapegoated other, they will find the peace for which underneath it all they long. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Stevens, receive my spirit, or into your hands I commend my spirit. His forgiving of his persecutors, just as Jesus did, is, I want to say, exactly the same as knowing the loving presence of God in a rehab. Got it? (laughs) They differ only in degree. It's the recognition of the dwelling place prepared even here and even now. You don't magically enter, you magically encounter difficulty and utter into your hands, I commend my spirit, do you? This is the fruit of a deeply disposed availability to God's presence, practiced, practiced as Teresa of Avila says, among the pots and the pans, in the trenches of the frustrations of daily life carpooling, budgeting, illness, relationships, growing old and witnessing the diminishment of our faculties. But how? How do we actionalize this, operationalize it? Heaven forbid. Lord, teach us to pray. I think the key resides in the twofold litany of I am statements and the call to abide or dwell in John's gospel. You remember right at the beginning of John's gospel, teacher, where are you staying? It's another way of saying, where do you dwell? Where do you abide? What is the ground from which you live? I want to live there. 
And Jesus says, come and see. And Andrew and the other disciple of John the Baptist go. They abide with Jesus all day until four in the afternoon. They dwell with Jesus, abide in him, and come to know his presence as the ground of their very own being. Abiding, resting, our being in the great I am is actually the simplest thing in the world, which is why uh, we don't do it, <laughs> or why we overlook its transfiguring power. My parents to this day still talk of sitting on a, a bench outside a Starbucks in Philadelphia when they had nowhere to go and nothing to do, and they just sat and rested. Just be. It's like the greatest thing that ever happened to them, because for once they stopped. Not who you are, not how you are, where you are, but that, that you are. Offering ourselves just as we are to God, just as God is, until the seeming to mingle into a single unified presence without boundary or limit. Simple presence, just, just being, is experiencing God's presence. A seamless dancing whole whose pulsing current is love drawing and dragging all things to itself that we might have life and have it abundantly. When we cultivate the habit of disposing ourselves to, to God's presence, just little glimpses here and there many times, what starts to slowly flower forth, what is unveiled, is the basic, unimpeachable bedrock stability of the goodness of our life in God. Fears and anxieties, even if they flit around, are more like a momentary glo globe of gnats in a slant of sunlight. No need to entertain them. No need even to chase them away. There's no problem. I am resting in and as the I am is the way, the truth, and the life. What a tragedy that Christians have in their rather predictably befuddled way turned this all-inclusive statement to know the simplicity of resting in the great I am into a prescriptive and exclusive statement of mere belief. Hmm. Pray for the church. As if our salvation consisted merely in having the right ideas between our ears, as if we could think our way to the kingdom of heaven that is closer than thoughts, closer than breathing, closer to me than I often am to myself. The novelist E.M. Forrester speaks rather witheringly of poor, talkative Christianity to highlight for us how easy, how easily we trade the utter childlike simplicity of being, of knowing ourselves enfolded, upheld, springing forth from God in each and every moment, we trade that for a collection of ideas about God. We trade the meal for a laminated, well-thumbed menu and wonder, we wonder why we're always hungry. So what is the way to this I am 
we ask. Is there a method, a technique that we should employ in order to get this I am? How do I do being? Right? That's, do we hear how crazy that seemingly innocent question actually is? How do I do being? How can we ever be separate from our own being? We can't. Of course, our conscious connection with God as the ground and fount of being can be eclipsed or veiled, forgotten, but it is only seemingly veiled. God is always here, holding, sustaining, healing. The way to the I am is just to be as you are and to wake to the simple, unalterable fact of your belovedness. Before, before you've tried to change things, before we've tried to feel a certain way, to make our mind a certain way, pretty up the picture, or get our life just how we think it should be. Sometimes when I talk like this, people will say, I've tried to meditate before, but my mind is too busy. And then I say, who said anything about meditating? Don't meditate. That sounds like work to me. Just be. Just be. Be easy like old easy yoke himself. Right? Stop trying to make yourself other than who you already are. Stop trying to make your experience anything other than it already is. Stop the war with what's happening and cease all efforts to manage and control. So we sit, even for just a few moments, on a park bench outside of Starbucks in Philadelphia, and we let everything be as it is. Struggling with experience, no problem. Feeling at ease, no problem. Experiencing states conventionally labeled as positive, no problem. Being visited by so-called negative states, no problem. Quiet mind, no problem. Restless mind, no problem. It's all just held. See, the simple practice of the I am just being, again, is the way and the truth and the life. We come to see all experience, regardless of content, as held in the boundless love of God. And we slowly come to hold our experience the same way. And what happens when we learn to hold ourselves the way God holds us? We automatically start to hold others that way too, don't we? We stop throwing our stones of how they should be at them judging and criticizing them, tearing them down behind their backs. We stop trying to fix people and make them conform to our ideas of how they should be. We start to see others, all others, all others without exception, gay, straight, non-binary, rich, poor, black, white, yellow, or brown, as participating in this very same sense of beingness, of I amness. No difference. Literally loving them as ourself. 
you know, maybe with Stephen, we see manna even in the stones people throw at us. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. Maybe we swim in the living water in a rehab with bad coffee and something purporting to be chocolate pudding. Maybe, maybe the driveway stones spritzed with spring's first dandelions cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Amen.